welcome to the podcast of the River of Portland Church. So glad you joined us today. We've got a, a message being brought to us by our Pastor Herb Mays here, entitled, Leave It There. Look, i got to ask you, have you ever been into a church service where you can actually just feel the move of God happening? Not just maybe in your heart, but around you as well, to where the atmosphere is just saturated with the, the love of God and the Holy Spirit. Well, if you've never experienced that, I want to invite you to come and join us here at the River of Portland Church. We allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our services to you and through you and around you. You know, his desire is to bless you in all things. That's really God's desire for you. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us for a specific reason. And uh, that reason is so that we could partake in the great and uh, exceeding promises that are given to us in the Bible. And I really want to encourage you, if you've been seeking somewhere that's more than just a, a sermon or something that may carry you through a couple of hours, to come and join us here. Because we believe in conviction. And under that conviction, when things change in your life and you grow closer to God, you become more and more victorious. But the sermon that you're going to listen to today is about leaving yesterday behind you. And it's a really great message here. So often, you know, we, we get in a position or we fall or we stumble and then somehow we, we can't seem to let that go. And even though, you know, Jesus, God's already forgiven us and he's not holding that against us. We, we tend to hold it against ourselves. And Pastor Mays puts this in a really good way. Of how that can hinder you. So anyway, sit back, relax, enjoy the the sermon here. I know it's sure to bless you and touch you. Remember to come join us Sunday mornings at eleven o'clock. We had somebody, a new visitor, uh, just this week here. I was really glad to see him, and uh, love to have you too. Love to see you. Check us out on the Facebook as well, and of course our our uh, website here is theriverofportland.org. Anyway, talk to you soon. Have a great and wonderful day. Remember, God loves you, and we love you. God bless. You may be seated a moment. Thank God for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're glad you're here this morning. I was driving down the road the other day, and so I got this message. And um, I don't ever get a message by reading the Bible. Always get a message, and then I read the Bible. So God always gives me something. So I know he gave a message for someone here this morning, and we got a lot of our people out, several out sick today, some traveling. But I know that it's for somebody here this morning, this message. And um, after spending 30 years uh, in the ministry, been in the ministry now 30 years, and talking to people and uh, talking to some people this week, I found the number one problem with everyone. And that is, well, I'm going to say 90% of everyone. The number one problem is yesterday. Most people are always living in yesterday. It's like an old song they used to have, digging up bones. 
I always want to dwell on yesterday. What happened yesterday? What what uh, someone done to you yesterday? And so I found this out dealing with people that most people can't let go of yesterday. Uh, I didn't know who wrote this. I asked these guys this morning. Uh, the Beatles had a song out yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Well, that's where we need to let them go, is in the yesterday. Because you cannot dwell on a future dwelling on a yesterday. Now, in Isaiah is an interesting book of the Bible. Because the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is like the 39 books of the Old Testament. It's all about judgment. The 39 books of Isaiah, the first 39 books of Isaiah, is all about judgment. The last 27 books of Isaiah is like the 27 books of the New Testament. It's about a message of hope. Now, Isaiah d- dwelt with these people, God's people, and you can imagine him preaching to them all them years, and they're all time talking about yesterday. All the things that God done, the, 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 one, the common theme was, but you know about yesterday. Now, he dwelt with these people dealing in yesterdays. And so, even if you think about it in the Old Testament, when they come out of Egypt and they got in problems, they thought, well, why don't we go back to Egypt? At least we had something to eat over there. Always looking to yesterday and never could get to where God wanted them today. But the final 27 chapters of Isaiah is about hope and what God is going to do for them. Now, in Isaiah 40:31, the Bible tells us this. Now, Isaiah is speaking to these people who he's, who's already he's been talking to him about the judgment of God. But he says in the 31st chapter, I mean the 31st verse of the 40th chapter, he said, For those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So then he goes into 41.10, chapter 41, verse 10. He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13, he says, For I, the Lord, will hold your right hand. Fear not, I will help you. The, the theme of all Isaiah in the last 27 chapters was that I'm on your side. Amen. You know, that I'm going to help you. God hasn't changed. The Word hasn't changed today. God's still on our side. It doesn't matter what we're going through. But we can't dig up the past and have a future. We're wanting to dwell on things that we've done. You know, I shared this story with you many times. But when I was a little boy, I was about 13, 14 years old, and I was in the Future Farmers of America. You ever, ever, and none of y'all probably heard of that. But there was a thing called the FFA, Future Farmers of America. And so... I was going to get a little calf to show in the 4-H club. And so um, my daddy took me. I had saved up $100. $100 a lot of money back in those days. 
and I'd work for a dollar a day that summer saving up money to buy this calf to show in the 4-H club. So we went over to this farmer who was a multi-millionaire, and he had the best black Angus cattle in the country. So I'm gonna, I go in there to pick out me and the, um, um, the uh, FFA, FFA, FFA teacher, we go out to this farm with my daddy to pick out this calf. Well, I got this little Angus uh, uh, steer that I'm going to show. Well, the guy wants $150 for this, for this calf. I had $100. And this guy said, uh, well, Herbie, I mean, they knew us, you know, said, Herbie, give me the $100, and when you get the other $50, <clears throat> Pay me. Don't worry about it. Just when you get the $50, pay me. <clears throat> well, I got the calf, went on to make a long story short. I never paid the man the $50. You know, August 22nd, 1990, when I got saved, you know what I started dwelling on? The $50. I mean, all this time, all these years, and then August 22nd, 1990, I started dwelling on, I never did pay that man that $50. The man was a multimillionaire. The $50 meant nothing to him. But the $50 went a lot to me when I got convicted that I didn't pay the man. Well, the man's already dead now. They done sold a farm and built houses on it and all this other kind of stuff. And so I can't pay the man the $50. I'd go to church. And it's like the devil's putting it on my mind. Man, you never did pay that man $50. You know what I've done for years? I'd go to church and I'd put $50 in the plate to pay for the bill that I owed the man. I don't know how many $50 I'd put in the plate. I'd be convicted. I'd say, I'm going to pay Mr. Doubleday. I'm going to go ahead and put this in the plate for Mr. Doubleday. I'm going to pay this $50. I kept paying $50, $50, $50. Finally, I was in church service uh, uh, one day down at Brother Baggage Church, and I'm sitting in church service, and this thing is um, coming up on me about the $50. And the Lord spoke to me. When are you going to get over this? I mean, it's just like I, this came to me. When are you going to get over this? It's like, I like your $50 you're giving to church. But man, you done, you done been delivered of this. You done been set free of this. This has done water under the bridge. It is over. And I thought, my goodness, it's like our past. Do you understand that uh, 2 Corinthians five seventeen said, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All the things have come new. That when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, August twenty second, 1990, I walked out. Up, well, I didn't walk. They carried me out uh, from that tent. And everything that I had ever done was washed away. It's like God said, I have put this into a sea of forgetfulness. I don't remember this stuff no more. You don't have a past. But what happens with Christians, we come into church, and you know what happened? We get convicted. And then we start, oh my goodness, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done that. We don't give God the credit that, bless God, He saved us. If you're born again this morning, and you're saved this morning, and you've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you don't have a past. 
Now, the devil might want to bring this up. Now, you remember, you know, I, I think about it. Now, my wife's not here this morning. She's got, um, I call it grout, but anyway, she's got her, her toe is so sore. She said, I can't hardly walk on this thing. Well, I, 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 um, I laid my hands on her when I, when I left, so I'm expecting to go back and the grout is going to be disappeared. It's gout. It's not grout, but I call it grout, you know. But it's like my, 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 my little wife. It's amazing to me over the years that women, it's something that is in their mind that God instills in their mind that if they have got a memory like an elephant. I mean, they remember everything. It doesn't matter. It's like my wife, you know, she said, Now, you remember back in 1963 and da-da-da-da-da? I don't remember yesterday, let alone remember something in 1963. But it's like she can remember these things. And so and so, I, I, I got a good thing when she said something like this. She said, you know, now back in 1963 or 1964 or 1973 and all this kind of stuff, I said, do you remember August 22nd, 1990? She said, yeah. I said, I ain't got a pad. Do you understand? You can't bring this up to me no more because all that's been washed away, bless God. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have been passed away. And bless God, I'm walking in the victory that Jesus appropriated for me at Calvary, bless God. But... Here is where Isaiah's at. He's dealing with these people who won't let go of their past. And they want to live in all of this past stuff. And he says in verse 13, he said, look, I'm telling you, I'm going to take care of you. And so we turn over to Isaiah 43, verse 18. And look what he said in Isaiah. After all of this stuff, he finally, he comes to him again. He said, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now, how much simpler could that be? Forget about it. Do you know what I'm saying? First of all, you can't do nothing about it. You can, you can cry about it. Mull over it and do all kinds of things. You're not going to do anything with what has happened in your past. You can't do nothing about it. He said, Behold, I'm going to do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. You shall know it. I can even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So, my God, if God can do that, surely to God, that He can wipe away everything I've ever done. And that I don't have a, that, that I don't have a past. Now, over in Jeremiah, after the next chapter in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Why was he called the weeping prophet? Because he weeped over the condition of the, of the people of Israel. He's looking at them and he's, 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 oh my God, what is going on with these people? Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, verse 23, he comes back to them and he says this. This is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God. And you shall be my people. And walk in the ways that I commanded you, and it'll be well with you. Yet they did not obey, and they didn't incline their ear, but followed the counsels and dictates 
of their evil heart. And they went backward and not forward. Here is God has talked to them, has sent people to them to encourage them. And, 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 and Jeremiah says here, I have talked to them, I've cried over them, and now they're going right back to where they were at. Same condition they were at. Then this is what I like back in Jeremiah, the fourth chapter. Look what he says here. And this is what God is telling the people today. He said in verse 3, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 3, He said, I want you to break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Fallow ground is ground that has not been cultivated. Fallow, that word fallow means ground that has not had seed put in it. And so, you know what happens with a farmer I grew up on a farm. Do you know we lay a stuff aside? We don't we don't plant on the same spot every year. Well, that's what I know. Y'all don't believe that, but that's the way it is. A farmer rotate his crops, and so he comes back and he tells him now. He says, "Now fallow ground. I want you to start cultivating your fallow ground." Well, spiritually, your fallow ground is ground that you've never operated in. Hello? Fallow ground, spiritually speaking, is ground that you've never got over into. This is the condition of the church, not just our church, the church world today. They need to dig up the fallow ground and start cultivating in areas that they have not operated in. In other words, I was talking to a pastor yesterday, and he said, you know, he said, Brother Herb, he said, do you remember back in the healing revivals? And, and you guys are too young to remember that, but back in, in, God always operates in cycles. If you go back through and study history, uh, church history, God always had moves of God in spans of time. And here's the thing about God. He will always repeat what He had done before will come back around at some time. Now, in, in the 30s and 40s was the healing revivals. The great move of God that happened in the healing revival. I lived through the charismatic movement in the, in the 60s and 70s. Do you understand in the charismatic movement, people were hungry for God. Because what happened was people were sitting in dead churches and they got hungry for things of God. So they started coming out of these churches and they didn't have churches that would preach the Word and let the Holy Ghost move. And so they started churches. They, they would start charismatic churches. Brother uh, um, Cowan's church in Nashville, uh, Brother Bill's brother, um, Faith is a Victory Church was birthed out of the charismatic movement. He started in a little church, went to a warehouse. That church was birthed out of the charismatic movement where they were digging up fallow ground, ground that hadn't sowed yet. I'm telling you this, that God wants us to start redigging and start believing for the supernatural move of God. 
I was I, I was a little boy. I was telling a couple of guys this morning. I was a little boy. I was 12 years old, and my aunt had cataracts all on her eyes. They they were just big big knots all on her eyes, and she wore Coca-Cola glasses. We called them Coca-Cola glasses, and and, and so th- she couldn't see. She never drove a car. And but she watched TV back then. Oral Roberts came on secular TV, Channel Five every Sunday morning. Oral Roberts came on regular TV, and um, the little black and white TV. And my aunt Elizabeth would watch TV and watch Oral Roberts and do these miracles. And so uh, uh, she she had watched this for a long time. And she told my mother. She said, "Oral Roberts is coming to the municipal auditorium in Nashville." And she said, if you could get me there, I believe I could get, be healed. She couldn't see. And so I know this for a fact because I seen her eyes, uh, and, and I knew. And so my mother took her to the municipal auditorium and, um, it, Google Oral Roberts and pull up some of his old tapes and you'll see what I'm talking about. And, and he was set in a chair. Uh, and he would sit in a chair and people would come by and he would pray for them. And so they took my aunt and mama said they was lined up around the auditorium and they had her card, her number. They called her number. So many people wanting healing that they had to have numbers. They called her number. Uh, Aunt Elizabeth went up there. My mama said she's standing right beside of my mother. My, I mean, my mother's standing right beside of her. And she said, Oral Roberts told her, said, take off your glasses. Her glasses was that thick. And said, take off your glasses. And said, took off their glasses and said, Oral Roberts took his two hands, his two fingers, and wiped them across her eyes and threw the cataracts down on the ground, totally healed, bless God. I'm talking about got up out of that place. And, and, and was totally healed. I saw it with my own eyes. She came back home and she didn't wear no glasses. She didn't have nothing. Why? Because the power of God was working in the servant. You know what happened? There's those people were digging into some fallow ground looking for a miracle. What would happen if the church today would just believe, bless God, that, that, that there's something going to happen? I need a miracle or I need this. But what happens is you can't, you can't dig new ground digging and living in the past. You've got to get out of the past. You've got to believe on a supernatural move of God that it's going to happen, bless God, and can believe it. As a little boy, you know, I'm 18 years old. You know, you've heard this story. I had a guy, I had a preacher call me last week, said, Brother Herb, I got a hold of your book. Said, I read your book. He said, here's what I want. Said, can you send me five books to my church? And says, at the end of March, I want you to come to our church. And he said, I can tell in this book that God had his hand on you when you was a little boy. And, and, and said, I can see that God had something special for you. And he said, I want you to come to our church. He said, I want to believe for a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit and have a miracle service where we see miracles. My God, we ought to have a miracle service every week in the church. There ought to be something happening every week in the church now, that somebody can come in and get delivered, bless God. Not the same old trash talking all the time, but believing God can move. I'm in Vietnam. 
I'm cooking a little, I got a little stove. This boy here was Marine. He probably knows what I'm talking about. I, I don't know. You're young. But back then we had a little stove and we'd pump, we, we used gasoline. Did you ever see one, honey? This a, it's a major, a major? Lieutenant, are you not made Lieutenant Colonel? My God Almighty. I know who runs your house. But I'm 18 years old. I'm cooking, I'm, I'm cooking, going to heat up some, some, some sea rations. And I'm pumping the gas to heat up my sea rations. And a sniper come and hits that stove and blows up and blows all over my face and burnt my clothes all the way down to my waist. Went in and had second degree burn all over my body. The doctor says you'll be scarred for life. I seen those guys that was, that were burnt and scarred. And the doctor said you'll be scarred for life. But they didn't know that there's a God that's bigger than that. I'm in the burn unit. Two weeks later, they come in. A little nurse comes in. She takes this stuff. Oh, you, you guys got to get something here. And the nurse comes in, and, and, and she takes the first thing off of my face, and she starts screaming. Oh, my God. I thought she is screaming. And everybody's running. What's going on? They take every wrap off of my body. There ain't a scar nowhere. There ain't a burn nowhere. I'm telling you that Almighty God had touched my body and healed me, bless God. You can't tell me that there ain't a God. You can't tell me that God is not a God who can heal you, bless God. All you've got to do is get out of yesterday and walk into today, bless God. We're needing a miracle of God in our church services. We don't need another little three-part sermonette. We need a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, bless God. I got this girl right here. She told me this morning. If I'm lying, you tell me. She told me this morning. She said I had a blood. Uh, uh, I'm out of breath. What happened? I needed a blood transfusion, and I came up for prayer, and I was healed. I don't need it. And I asked them. I said, "Why don't I need it?" They said, "I don't know." I know it was God. Somebody help me this morning. I'm talking about a God that can do it. Bless God. I have one. I came up here and stood in the place of my father. And he anointed a cloth with his anointing and an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We all prayed. I had that rag and I didn't uh, have a chance to get over and see my father because our, our schedules are different. Well, I went up to the hospital Friday. And he's having his surgery, and they're, they're putting a calf heart, I mean, a calf valve in him. And uh, I told uh, my dad and my brother there, I said, I have this anointed cloth, I want to pray for you. Well, just so happened, here comes these ladies, excuse me, excuse me, pulling in. They fed us, they fed us quiche, they fed us all these, and these ladies, these, these ladies are all around Nashville Church. Four of them ladies come around, 
and we anointed him with oil. He slid into that into that surgery room because we anointed him with oil. We had prayer right there in the waiting room. People were staring at us. We laid hands on him. We put that rag on him. Come to find out, the number third person down the list, the head medical person for that calf heart, was in there during the surgery. He went in there. He had little complications. But you know what? I saw him yesterday, and he's doing fine. He don't have to have that pacemaker to make that that, that valve work. It's it's getting a signal from his heart, and God's good. Uh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'd like to say, too, Pastor, I come in here. I've been through cancer. Six months ago, I had a quadruple bypass, open heart surgery, and I've been in and out of the hospital for six months. But I came in here. Well, about a year ago, I was wearing a boot on my leg because I got neuropathy, or they told me I did, from cancer, and I couldn't walk without it, and it was difficult to walk with it. And I come up here, and I prayed. Well, Pastor prayed over me, and I took that boot off, and I've never worn it since. Well, well, glory. Amen. Well, I... Well, I done forgot what I was going to preach about now, so. But I'm telling you, but when we start believing for the supernatural, now let me tell you something. Brother Mike talking about, well, uh, tell one, let me tell one, 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 let me tell you something. All you've got to do is tell somebody there's a place you can go, bless God. Then I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I got this lady right here. I'm telling you this morning. I'm telling you, you tell the doctor. I'm telling you right now. She said, I feel better than I've ever felt. I'm telling you, it ain't no, be no cancer in your body. That cancer's got to leave, bless God. It's gone! We gotta believe. There's a story. Well, Psalms fifty-five twenty-two says, "Cast your burden, which is your past. Cast your burden on the Lord, and leave it there." See what happens is. We don't pick it up. I pray for people in this church here now for ever how long we spend. Pray for them and believe and know that God done something for them. And you know what happened? They walk right outside the door and pick it right back up. Well, I don't feel any different. It ain't by feeling, it's by believing. You can't walk by feeling. You've got to believe, bless God. If that's all we're doing is walk by feeling, we're going to stay defeated. We're going to stay in Egypt the rest of our lives spiritually. Well, do you mean God could do something? God could do anything. Let me tell you something. He can do anything you can believe. We see a story in the John. I'm not, I know it's getting late. We see a story in John, the 8th chapter, about the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus comes up. They got this woman all sitting around, and everybody's ridiculing her, making fun of her, and doing all this kind of stuff. And the church folk 
You know, that's the most time the people who will condemn you is the people in the church. Well, now you ought not, you, you ought not have done that. Instead of praying for you, they want to talk about you. And so, the woman caught in adultery, and she's got all of these uh, religious folks around. All these men around. Jesus comes up on the scene. And so, they, they, the first thing they say to Jesus, I'm just going to paraphrase John 8, read it when you get home. And, and Jesus comes up on the scene. And they say, now Jesus, now you know this woman. She's been caught in adultery. What they didn't say, they probably done shacked up with her themselves. So they come up and, 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 and they're telling Jesus, Now Jesus, you know what the law says. Now you know, Jesus, that the law says that we're going to stone her. Jesus is sitting there and he's just kind of writing in the dirt. He's playing with his finger in the dirt. They come to him again and say, Now, Jesus, now you know. They come to him the second time. Now you know what we've got to do with this woman. Jesus kept writing in the dirt. Jesus don't even look up. He don't even recognize that even there. Let me tell you something. When you hang around with goofy folks, just walk away from them. Don't hang around goofy folks. And so Jesus keeps writing. They keep talking. Finally, Jesus said this. Okay, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to solve this problem. Ye, without sin, you cast a first stone. Jesus is sitting there. Finally, they start leaving. They start leaving. Ain't nobody left. And Jesus said, uh, Lady, where are them heathens? But he didn't use that. He should have used the word heathens. But Jesus said, Where are your accusers? And she said, Lord, I don't see none. Jesus said this, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. All of your sin had been washed away. You don't have a past. You take up from the day and, and don't worry about... And you know, I, I, I've been in this church a long time. I wish we had everybody here this morning. Surely to God they'll get this on podcast. But I've had people here that have... My wife sometimes say, Herbie... You don't ever say nothing about them people that talk about you. Look, let me tell you something. I'm not going to spend time on my critics. Because people who talk about you and criticize you, they are losers who've never accomplished anything. So I'm not going to answer them. So Jesus said, just go on and don't worry about it. You don't have a past. So we're going to 
cast it on the Lord, and we're going to leave it there. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and everybody stand real quickly. I'm going to ask you, and I know it was for somebody here this morning. Every head bowed, I'm going to ask you here this morning. You say, Pastor, I've dealt with that. Dealing with stuff in the past. Even had some, it might have had some problems this week about it. You know. You know the problem is, you won't forgive yourself. Do you know Jesus has already forgiven you? But you've got to forgive yourself. If that's you here this morning, I want to pray for you. A special prayer. I'm going to agree with you that when you, you cast it today, you're going to leave it right here. Is that you? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you.